This message is brought to you by danmullerarchive.com, the number one place to search over 2,500 Dan Muller messages and growing. Now, please enjoy this message. Can you tell my mom died of MS December 27th? Do I look like a man that's questioning the gospel? Why wasn't she healed? Well, why is she sick in the first place? Why well, see other people's mamas healed? Why do I have to lose my mama? You're way too late to trick me with that junk. I don't covet life. I covet him. Life is a gift. Kids are a gift. God never gave you kids at the cost of who he is. He gave you kids to enjoy the glory of who he is. Not at the cost of who he is. Because some of you, if something happened to one of your kids, you'd give up on God. That's idolatry. That means you love the gift of life more than the giver of life. And most of the church understands how you feel and doesn't even blame you for it. Because we're so sentimental. I'm just telling you. Some of you lose a spouse premature. you on the bench of Christianity. You might attend services, but your heart's back home. It happens all the time, man. From the time I was saved, I was saying stuff like this. You steal my wife from me. You take her away from me. You take my kids. Burn down my home and strip the clothes off my back. You're way too late. You can't touch me now. Life is way bigger than right now. You say, ain't God supposed to protect all that stuff? God protects my view, my perspective, my understanding. If I get martyred, is it his fault? If a drunk driver shifts across the lane and hits somebody head on in my family and I lose them, did I lose them if they're in Christ? Am I asking for this stuff to happen? No, but if it happens, what do I really see and believe? You know what we do? Why, God? Why'd you let it happen? I'm so confused. You can't be good. All of a sudden, we're singing a song about his majesty and you can't raise your hands because he's in question. You sure can't have intimacy and you sure won't give him your life because you don't even trust him now. Can I be straight with you? You can't lose now that you're in Christ. You can't lose. We didn't beat that thing MS. Man, it makes me mad inside. I don't like MS. My mom had more tubes hanging out of her and more stuff. I changed my mom's Depends pads as a son for a whole lot of years, guys. I'd go over when my dad was at work or away and I'd carry my mama up them steps to her bed and tuck her in and pray with her and never saw her healed. I preached the gospel. I prayed for the sick. I preached God's will to heal. I will never let my mother's experience define God. I will let the word of God through Jesus Christ define God and let God have the power over my circumstances. Or I'm just another troubled Christian, a confused heart. And I might even use this pulpit to preach my experience and create confusion. Wow. I'm not saying this to condemn one person in this room. My mother taught me more than I realized. I didn't realize it until after she passed. Now, this is the truth. This is not an overstatement. I'm not saying this to condemn anyone. It's on the record. 
I not have one memory. I do not have one memory of my mother ever complaining. Not one time. And she was bedridden for a whole lot of years. And when you walked in her room, all she could do was smile and say, well, hi. And I'd sit on the side of her bed and say, how are you doing, mama? And she'd say, well, I'm fine. Why? Because in her heart she was. Because MS didn't define her. Salvation did. And life was bigger than her in that bed. Not one time, David, do I have a memory of my mother complaining. Do you get what I'm saying? Some of us complain if our cell phone battery's dead. Because now we can't live because our lifeline is dead. Some of us complain if our car breaks down on the road, if our tire goes flat on the highway. We wonder where God is. He's inside of you. Look, he's there. Why do we hold him to stuff like that and then have issues with him? Because your car popped a tire. Come on, get a grip. Why don't you look like Jesus when your tire pops? I've had people run stop signs and demolish my car since I've been saved. You say, well, why would God let that happen? God didn't let nothing happen. Things happen. Sometimes the devil might even be trying to take you out. Worse yet, he might just say, let me bust into his car and get a few words coming out of his mouth. See, we do this Christian thing, you know. We look at our car and go, Then we go over and try to tell the person how it's okay. It'll all work out and it's okay. And they just saw you kick the grass. <laughs> and then you say, well, it's okay. At least we're not hurt. <laughs> the last car wreck I was in, I ran to them people so fast. I busted out of that airbag. I mean, it was, it looked, I felt like I was at Hershey Park, man. <laughs> I was like. Whoa, brand new, three-month-old, brand new truck, man. Jesus gave it to me. People bought it for me. That's pretty special, especially when you're driving a 13-year-old truck and have no plans of changing because you're happy with it. And some starry-eyed intercessor, I'm not making fun of her. She knows Jesus. She says, I heard the Lord for you. And I said, tell me from back there. I just stay away from them people. I don't let Tracy touch me. She don't, she don't ever touch me. I stay away from her. But I respect her, but I don't want that on me. I can't handle that. I'll make a mistake and stay back. So she, this lady come up and she said, I heard the Lord for you. And I said, tell me from there. I backed up. She said, you're getting a new truck. Jesus wants you to get a new truck. You need a new truck. I said, honey, I'm sorry, but you didn't hear the Lord. I hadn't even asked for a new truck. Don't even think about a new truck. I really like my truck. She said, well, you're getting one because I heard two names in my heart. I called them and they were hearing the same thing. We're putting money in an account and you're getting a truck. I got a truck. <laughs> Three months in that thing, man, this lady's 65 years old. I found that out in the police report. She goes through an intersection, misses a stop sign. She looks this way and says, ooh, I can make it and forgets there's a that way. And I'm right up on it, man, about 40 mile an hour, right on the intersection, 35 to 40, no time for breaks. And I, I remember sitting up on the wheel going, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Whoa, because I saw passengers, and I'm thinking T-bone, and that ain't good. So I mm, sacrificed my little red truck, got it out in front, 
as best I could. She caught my front wheel well. Boom! Spun me sideways. Pow-wow! Into the bed. Demolished that thing, man. Threw me up into the yard. It was Hershey Park for a second. It was like... (laughs) And everything just settled. And everything was white. I said, Jesus? (laughs) It was my airbag! I, I, I I didn't say Jesus. I knew it was my airbag. Because that thing blew up on me, man. It was wild. It was like, poof. I was like, whoa. I stopped. I'm out of that thing. I dug out of that. I'm run across. There was car parts everywhere. i never seen anything. I'm not exaggerating it. Their hood was laying on the road. It was demolished. Their car was crushed. They're sitting in there. Teenager in the back ball. And woo. Thank God the word can become flesh. Thank God you forget that they're, you can't forget they're human beings and you're not forgetting and just looking at your little cherry red truck that's now destroyed and thinking, whoa, the gift from God, God, where? It's a truck. Hello? It's a truck. They're people. She made a bad mistake. It's costing. She's probably feeling pretty bad. I don't think she said, let me ramp up my speed and try to cut off this dude. <laughs> go, Granny, go. <laughs> she made a mistake. I ran over that car. I was praying for that man. He was shook up. Bless him. Sir, I'm a Christian. I just want to bless you, man. Peace of God is greater than sex. I just want to bless you and pray that you be fine, that you never have a trace of whiplash pain. <sighs> Girl in the back, woo! I said, honey, come here, come here, baby. It's okay, honey, come here. She crawled over. It's okay. Bless her, pray for her. She's, she's whimpering. I run around to the other side. Hey, honey, you're doing well. I need to pray for you, okay? I just want to make sure your body's fine. You never have a repercussion of this impact. And she's just staring. Out of broken windshield. She's stoic. I said, honey, look at me. I want to talk to you. I want to pray for you. I want to ask you some questions. She said, oh, no. It's a brand new truck. I hit a brand new truck. I'm like, she saw the little temporary tag piece. She realized it was new. I said, honey, she heard me rhetorical. Honey, it's just a truck. It's okay. You're a person. You matter a lot more. She looked at me and got so hostile. She said, you don't understand. I just hit a brand new truck. And I'm like, okay, what don't I get here? (laughs) Guess what the teenager did in the back when she started yelling? When Grandma started yelling, guess what the teenager did? Ooh, because he's already worked up, and now Granny's having a fit, and the teenager's falling apart again. So grandma's got the teenager a wreck now. She don't even know what she's doing. She says, you don't understand. I just hit a brand new truck. I said, okay, honey. No, I get that. She said, that driver is going to be so mad at me. (laughs) Guess what I did? I knelt down and I said like this, Tracy. No, no, I'll be all right. I said like this. I said... I took her chin. I said, honey, look at me. I am the driver. (laughs) Guess what she did? 
Guess what she did? This is exactly what she did. Oh, God bless you. And I slipped in and held her for a moment. And I prayed for her back and neck and her body. And I whispered and said, can I get in your back seat with your granddaughter? She said, yes. The granddaughter heard me whisper it. As soon as I opened the door, she crawled across and dove on me. And I held her like my own daughter and rocked her and told her, honey, things happen sometimes in life. Sometimes terrible things, accidents and things. It's very important to know Jesus in your life. That's why we know Jesus. Because Jesus, you get it? Boy, that sure beats me being a Christian that's ticked off and inconvenienced and now the insurance is going to be a headache and why couldn't she stop at the stop sign? You know, you get out and say, ma'am, didn't you see the sign? That's pretty lame. Like, uh, well, sir, if I'd have saw the sign, I probably wouldn't be smashed into your car. What, were you texting? Were you talking? Why don't you watch the road? Here's what I found out. She just turned 65. Guess what else I just found out? That wasn't her car. That was her daughter's car. Guess why? One week before, she demolished hers. Now guess what she's thinking? I'm losing my competency. I'm going to kill somebody. Should I even be on the road? I'm 65. You mean I have to give up my driving privilege? Two total loss accidents in a week. There was so much pressure on that woman's life. And I'm a Christian. Christ isn't in me to put another brick on her soul and break her back. Christ is in me to lift the burden off of her and let her go free. You can't afford to just go to church and let life expose you. You go to church and know him more and look more like him because you came. And then life will reveal him in its effort to expose you. In every attempt of the devil to break you, he runs the risk of making you. So why are we so afraid? Think not of yourselves. Come on, Mordecai told Esther that. We all love the story. Think not of yourself, Esther. Is it possible you were born for such a time as this? Put your name in there. Think not of yourself. Is it possible you were born for such a time as this? If you start overcoming evil with good and toning down a harsh word with a kind word and covering love with a multitude of sin, that's the gospel. You say, well, I just feel like I'm going to be enabling people. How about you start loving people and let love have a voice? Stop talking yourself into the flesh. Well, I don't want to be a doormat. See who you're thinking about? Was Jesus a doormat? There's no way out of this, guys. We drew a line in the sand today and we said, you know what? We're not going to let the trials and temptations of life expose something in our heart. We're going to let it reveal Christ. It's not about what you're going through. It's about what he went through. 
When you get tempted to cry for yourself and say, you don't know what I'm going through. Did you ever ask Jesus about what he went through? Some of us get nervous in a crowd to proclaim him. He tells us to go pray for somebody and we get a little hesitant. We intercede from the car. He got beat for doing nothing wrong and knew it was coming. I honestly believe Jesus couldn't die when they beat him because of the law of God. The Bible says that Adam sinned and death entered the earth and because all men sinned, all men died. Guess who never sinned? Guess who death had no power over? I'm convinced that. I look into scriptures. Because he said, no man takes my life, I give it. Did you ever think about him getting beat beyond description? A little theological with you today. No one was marred more than any. Any of the sons of men, no one was marred more than Jesus. Than any of the sons of men. So the worst beating that man has ever put on man, Jesus looked worse. We got any nurses here? We got any medical-minded people here? Is it possible to get beat beyond description to where you can't recognize a human being and then still be alive, quote scripture, and have a conscious sense of mind? Is it possible, any medical folks, to beat somebody beyond description? The 39 lashes alone killed a lot of men. Here's why Jesus wept in the garden and sweat great drops of blood and said if there's any other way. He went in as a man because he had to. He's the captain of our salvation, the perfect sacrifice. And he knew a man had to defeat the devil by the Spirit of God and replace what a man failed. A man had to fulfill what a man failed. It took a man. That's why he came through the womb and didn't just show up in the desert one day, 30 years old and buffed. God had to go through the womb of a woman, be nursed and have his little diapers changed and they didn't have huggies. He had to get hungry. He had to poop. He sweated. God put himself in flesh and didn't take a shortcut and paid the price necessary to redeem flesh. Man, you must have value to God. That is radical. God came in the flesh and went inside the womb of a woman, came out her birth canal and trusted himself to her as a mother and did not take a shortcut so that one day he would be the perfect sacrifice to redeem your life back to destiny, get your creative value back on you so you could fulfill the will of God and leave a legacy. Come on. It's the most radical thing I've ever heard. God becoming flesh to set flesh free. Your flesh must mean a lot to him, man. That's amazing. And you're going to have an issue with a brother? Duh! Come on. We didn't do nothing right. But we were made for his image and he didn't lose sight of that. He said, I know what they're worth. I know what they look like when I'm inside of them. I know their potential. So I'm going to die so they can live. Because if I die and they live, then the world will see and know the truth. Do you get it? Come on, that's the gospel. That's so radical, it's ridiculous. 
All my life, David, growing up young, preachers told me that Jesus died because I'm a sinner. Jesus died because I'm a sinner. And, and I'm like, okay, so now I'm a sinner. And even though he forgives me, I'm still a sinner because that's all I'm ever told. I'm a sinner. He's a and I, got, I got, finally got saved because at 20, I didn't even go to church anymore because I was a failure. And this poor man, Jesus, got beaten. I'm a sinner. And one day, Holy Spirit revealed to me, Jesus didn't die because I'm a sinner. He died because I was never made for sin. He died because I'm a son. He died because my value was lost. My identity was lost. So he came and became what I was so that I could become what he is, a son again. He had to die because I sinned, but he died because I was a lost son. I had lost destiny. So they beat Jesus and 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 beat Jesus, Jesus, guys. The passion doesn't even do justice to Jesus. And he's on the cross. Forgive him, Father. They don't know what they do. He's looking at John. John, behold your mother, mother your son. He's talking. The Pharisees looked at him perplexed. They had to be because they said, even now, he speaks the scripture. What did they mean? Why did they say even now? Because they can't even tell who he is. He's beat beyond a pulp. And even now, he speaks the scripture. See, you think God's just there going, sustaining him with some spiritual gun. No, he was beat beyond a pulp. It's the law of God holding him. He's completely innocent. Death has no power over him. He couldn't die until he was pierced and made to be sin. And then he said, it's finished. I'm made to be sin. They can finally go free. Now they can become righteous. I'm going to die. Now they can live. I'm going to get separated from you. Why have you for? And they'll forever be joined. I was beat beyond description. They can finally look what they were created to look like. See, when sin got done with man in the garden, when sin got finished with man, he didn't look anything like he was created to be. So Jesus had to lose his appearance to pay the price for us to get ours back. He didn't take no shortcut, man. You better know this stuff. It's what puts love in your hearts for God. It's what will keep you from losing your character over petty things. It'll put such a diligence in you that you won't even allow yourself to be discouraged and forlorn because the gospel's way greater than that. Are you following me? I'm tooting a long trumpet tune today. I'm telling you, just keep on thinking this way. It'll take you to the finish line. We have this phrase back home, and the people we nurture and mentor, we say it all the time, and I say it when I travel. But we pour it into our people back home. I've poured it into my son. If what you're thinking and the way you're functioning isn't building you up, edifying you, or increasing you, it's not from the Lord. If the mentality you're living in isn't stirring you up, increasing you, and putting hope in you and excitement in your heart, it's not from Jesus. I've pastored for 18 years. I've been a hands-on guy. 16 of the 18 years. I've been in the trenches. I've been face-to-face with thousands of people in my life. I've been hands-on. When I was nine months old in the Lord, I got 10 to 12 phone calls a day on my home phone. People were crying out. They saw Jesus in me. And for 18 years, all I did was give them Jesus and teach them this kind of stuff. 
I didn't just say, oh, yeah, I'll pray for you. I said, well, let me talk to you first. Because I can hear when you're asking me that, there's some ways you're thinking I want to encourage you in because if I don't do that, you're going to call me next week with the same forlorn heart. And how many times can you take that? After a while, you'll give up and quit, and you don't want to quit. I spent more time ministering and encouraging truth than I have praying for people. Some people, after you share the truth, they realize they didn't even need prayer. They just needed an answer. You guys good? Can I give you a homework assignment? Because I got to quit. I'm way late. Probably, maybe not for you guys. You guys are, you guys are awesome. I know you were. I have discernment. I know. I know. <laughs> no. Did you, see, did you see whole crowds try to get Jesus and it says he, he moved from their midst? He just, I, I used to look at that and, I'm like, and I realized Jesus is beep, gone. Girl, you try to get me, I'll be back in York in a blink. I'll come back and get my truck later. Will you, do you, will you do you guys a favor, do yourself a favor in your own life and personal time? Would you do a homework assignment if I give you one? But don't see it as homework. Pursue God in it. And there was a season in my life God said, read Philippians 2 and don't read anywhere else until I tell you. And I said, okay. In that season, I was just saved. I was reading my Bible at least five times a day because I'd wake up and read. I'd read at break, lunch, break, and before I went to bed. It was just the way it was. For a while there, two years and so. When you're reading five times a day and you're reading the same place five times a day, even in that same day, you're thinking, <clears throat> should I like read Philippians 2 again, Lord? <laughs> Certainly on the second day, you're thinking, I guess we're going to read it again, huh? And when I'm thinking that, here's what Holy Spirit said. He said, Dan, I don't want you to read Philippians 2 to memorize it. I want you to read it to become it. Stay there, meditate, dwell, muse, yield yourself to me in the revelation of that chapter till my grace makes you what it says. And then I'll let you read somewhere else. He said, don't you read anywhere else in your Bible until I tell you. Stay in Philippians 2. You know what Philippians 2 really says? It talks about you and me having one mind, saints, if there's any consolation in Christ, any bowels of mercy, Make my joy complete. Have the same mind. Walk in love. Same spirit. Same heart. It said, and have this same mind in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Now listen to the honor of that. God's telling you and me that we can possess the very motivation that made Jesus tick. We say in a haughty way in the charismatic church, I have the mind of Christ. Well, you probably ought to read Philippians 2. Because it's not a haughty confession. The mind of Christ is making yourself of no reputation, even though you counted yourself worthy to be a son. Yet you didn't hold that as something you needed to be acknowledged and honored in your life, but you laid down your life, made yourself of no reputation, and became a servant unto men. And even to the point of death, if need be. It's the mind of Jesus. See, I believe Jesus asked God in the Garden of Gethsemane to take this from me if there's no other way because he knew he was going to face the beating of a lifetime and not escape through death. 
Death is an escape for flesh in some situations. In some situations, it's better to just die. And Jesus knew he couldn't escape through death. And he was sweating great drops of blood. Because he knew he was going to get beat beyond description and not be able to die. Until he was made to be sin. You have to understand that God didn't curse his son on the cross. He cursed what was killing us, sin. He was made to be sin. Anything hanging on a pole was cursed by God. He cursed sin on the cross. God cursed sin in the flesh and sin shall have no dominion over us. For the law of the spirit of life through Christ has made us free from the law of sin and death. He didn't crucify his son. He doesn't want you to see a suffering savior. He wants you to see sin cursed and crushed. He, he said, even as Moses lifted the serpent in the wilderness, so shall the son of man be lifted up. We say, well, that's signifying the type of death he was to die on the cross. It's way more. Them serpents were biting them people in the wilderness. They were dying by the thousands. They cried and said, we've sinned. Go tell God we've sinned. We're sorry. Maybe he'll hear your cry and he'll relent and move this thing from us. Moses, type and shadow of Jesus, priest unto God on behalf of the people. He runs to God, tears another robe, throws some more dust on his head, cries out to God. God says, I hear your prayer, Moses. Here's what you do. I'm going to relent this thing. Go make a serpent. Put it on a pole. It'll be that anyone that looks at it, if they were bitten, they're healed. Jesus said, even as so shall. What's he saying? I read that one time years ago and I said, Lord, I'm confused. Why would you tell Moses to put a serpent on the pole? Why would he make a replica of the thing that's killing him and put it on a pole? Why wouldn't he hang up a flag that says, yah, and wave it? He said, because they're my Hebrew people and they know the law of God. And they know that anything hanging on a pole has been cursed by God. And if we make a symbol of what's killing them and put it on a pole, they'll know that I heard Moses' prayer. And they'll know that I've forgiven them. And faith will rise in their heart. And if they were bit, they'll be healed. Even as so shall the Son of Man. We look to the cross and we see the Savior. And we know that God has cursed sin in the flesh. And if we've been bitten by sin, we know we are healed. We know it's been cursed and it shall have no dominion over us. For what the blood forgives, the body removes. It's a covenant. Do you get it? Now I'm preaching a million sermons here. You guys got to read Philippians 2 on your own time, please. Because the end of that chapter says it's God who's working in you both to will and do for his good pleasure. Guess who's working in you? To do what? To will and do for what? He just took off, man. That was awesome. He said, he said, he said, he's finishing. Oh, thanks, man. You're amazing. Bless you. Here, I'll take it, man. Just lay it down. Good. Thanks. You're awesome. I appreciate your heart. Listen. No, I'm real serious. I really appreciate his heart. I've watched him this weekend. I appreciate your heart. Your love for God. It's God who works in you both to, for whose good pleasure? Not yours, his. Therefore, do all things without grumbling or complaining 
so that you're seen as innocent, blameless children in the midst of a perverted, twisted generation whom you shine forth as light holding forth the word of life. Do how many things? Without grumbling or complaining. We grumble if a tire goes flat and wonder where God's grace is and tell the devil we don't even understand the gospel. Keep picking on me and messing with me. You get it? Read Philippians 2 in your personal time and build such a stronghold of truth in your life that if the devil touches you with the intention to break you, he's going to help you and empower you and make you. And five years later, you're going to look back on adversity and say, man, if it wasn't for the things I've been through, I wouldn't be the person I am standing here and know God the way I do. Do you guys see passion in me? Do you know why? It's because of fire. It's not because of doctrine. Because the fire has taken the doctrine and turned it into revelation. And now I don't have a philosophy or a confession. I have a living God. <laughs> Are you getting that? Do you see it in me? Because I've been in fire. And he happens to be Lord. You get it? So if you see passion in a person, it's either because they've been saved for a day. Or they get it. <laughs> you all right? I love you guys. I'm not saying this in a weird way. I love you guys. I was glad to come down here. I didn't think I had a chance to come down here. We were looking at calendar, talking, David and I. We talk from time to time anyway. He just gives me a shout now and then. And all of a sudden, I saw Fourth of July weekend, and I said, hey, I never scheduled nothing there. I could do like a Saturday, Sunday. He said, we'll do it. And it was good. I got to be here on his birthday celebration. I see a couple of crazy guys eat hot wings. They were my hot peppers, and I was impressed, man. I eat them all the time, and I was like, Warn them, man, they're serious peppers. And them guys were just like, Shaba. <laughs> they were, they were freaking me out. I was like, they were rolling them in it. So I eat them all the time, man. I cover stuff with them. My boy goes, whoa. And when they were doing that back there, I was like, lay hands on me and part that. It's been fun. Now listen. When God comes and cries a word out like this, you have to take it in honor and realize that he's fathering you and he believes you have the capacity to respond and run well. I closed my Bible and never read Matthew 7. I turned you there. But if you hear and do, you're wise. Let me translate that. Hear and become. And you're wise. Hear and just let life go on. Great's going to be your fall. And it's not because you didn't hear. It's because you didn't yield yourself to truth. Now watch this. The storm comes to the wise and the foolish. But yet the church says, 
I don't know why I'm going through this. I wonder what door I opened. I wonder why God's letting this happen. I wonder where I opened the door of the devil. You can open a door, I understand. But why do you think every storm is a mystery? The storm comes because you heard the word. Your only option is don't hear the word and stay in darkness. That would be weird. What do you say we hear the word and get it on? The storm comes, Freddie, to the wise and the foolish, and it's the same storms. And if you really read scripture, the storm isn't there to destroy you. It's to destroy what's been built. And you're taking a storm personal. You ought to take the gospel personal. And seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. Yeah. Stand to your feet with me. We're going to pray. This isn't a hype and emotion phrase in question. I don't want you to just hype it, but I want to know. Did I find a house of soldiers today? That are ready to fight the good fight of faith. I don't, I don't, I don't even know when I've ever even done this last or before, probably years ago. But I feel this in my heart and I'm just going to obey it. It might seem a little inconvenient for some. And even if you need healing in your body or something, when you get up here, I want you to take the hand of somebody and tell them I need healed too. But let the priority be what I'm going to do. I want you guys to crowd up front and gather up here and make a C around me right now. I want to pray over you guys. I don't ever do this. I just feel like I want to do it in my heart. Everybody, man, that, that wants to be a soldier. If you, if you don't want to pray and come up here, don't come up just because the church is coming up. But if you heard what I'm saying and you're saying, I'm in. I'm in. I want this. I don't want life to ever move me. I want to grow sharper and wiser. I want to live selfless and be powerful on the earth in the Lord. Do you want that? You guys serious? Come up here. I want to pray for you with the neck brace on. I want to pray for you. I will pray for you. What'd you do, honey? You what? Fuse. I'm just going to pray for you. I'm going to take your brace off and throw you around or nothing. My heart just went out to you. I just caught your eyeballs. I want to pray that when they remove that thing, there's no ill effect. It's like you ain't got nothing to even be like. I saw a lady that was supposed to wear something that was way more extreme than that. She was stretched out and it went all down. Maybe yours does. Maybe it's kind of like that. She's supposed to wear it 12 weeks. She had it on one. Huh? She had it on one. Fusions, all kind of crazy stuff. She sacrificed mobility to get rid of pain. And what came to me was, uh, where's the place? Something Gilead in the Bible. The Amorites came against them and they said, I'll tell you what, we'll spare you. But as a reproach to you, we'll gouge out all the right eyes of the men of Israel. And we'll let you live. And Saul caught word of it and was enraged, man. He chopped the cow in 12 pieces, sent it to all the tribes and said, so will be done to you if you don't respond to this call and help defend this, this ten little family of Israel. And they went and put a whooping on the Amorites. But here's what the devil does. He tries to make some plea with you. It ain't no plea. 
He says, I'll, I'll just hurt you a little and at least let you live. When I hear testimonies like that, they bother me. You know, it's not a reflection on the person. It's just what they're going through. We could be just as well one of us. So compassion needs to go towards the woman. And I'll tell you what, the gospel. Get it? I was in a healing service and prayed for Miss Sue. And she went to her doctor, freaked out, and demanded he took all that stuff off. And I'm like, you did what? She said, I demanded. He said, I can't take that off. It's supposed to stay on 11 more weeks, and you're going to need how many months of rehab, and you're never going to have rotation and mobility of your neck anyway. She said, Doctor, I'm the patient. There's no liabilities. Take it off, or I will find a way. He took it off, and she went. Total plates, fusions, crazy stuff. He said, Sue, stop. You can't do that. He said, she said, maybe you ought to look again, sir. It was crazy fun. I just want to bless you. And I want to pray that whenever they remove that thing, okay? I didn't tell you that story that you need to go tell your doctor. Right? When they remove that thing, there's no ill effect. How's that? Listen, we've had x-rays taken where the metal the doctors put in isn't there. Yeah. We're going to pray whether it's still there or not, your neck works. And there's no pain. That's what I'm getting at. We have one man that had four rods and they were still in the x-ray and he could touch his toes. What's more awesome, that the rods disappear or that he's touching his toes with the rods in his back? They're both amazing. Yay, God. Why do we have to figure that stuff out? Let's just believe him. Come on, guys. We're Christians. We say we believe the Bible. God said he breathed into dirt and a man stood up. That ought to be enough right there. One breath from God breathed into dirt with vision in the heart. And what he saw came to life. Dirt stood to his feet as a man. One breath. wonder if he does start breathing on folks. Let's believe for this precious woman, okay? Father, I'll thank you. There's no ill effect. No ill effect. <laughs> Neck be healed. Vertebrae be restored, discs be whole. Father, I thank you when they remove this thing, it's as if there never was a surgery or never a problem. I thank you, God, it was as if they would scratch their heads and say, what is going on? And Father, I thank you from that day till now to that day when they take that thing off, I thank you this woman experiences no pain, no pain, no pain. In Jesus' name, behold. In Jesus' name, be healed. We're going to pray something in a minute. If you need healing right now, lift your hand real high. But we're going to pray something else in a minute. Lift your hands. Keep them high. If somebody's around you with their hand up, put your hand on them right now. Father, in Jesus' name, touch people all through this place. Let healing come. That's your boy? Get up here, son. I want to touch you. I want to touch your hand. It's okay. Don't be afraid. It's okay. Don't be embarrassed. I just want to take your hand when I pray. Please. Is that okay? Jesus loves you, son. No matter what you've thought about him, no matter what life has tried to trick you into. No, look at me, friend. Jesus is real, and he loves you. Can you tell that I know that? He wants you to know that. He's going to bless you. In fact, right now, stretch your hands to me, son, man. Father, that you take away every effect, every sign, and every symptom of surgeries and infirmities. Holy Spirit, come. Thank you.
and touch the young man that you love. Wholeness, come into this body. Every symptom leave. Father, not one more consequence, not one more symptom, not one more go through. Bring strength into his body, God. Bring wholeness into his life. And Father, illuminate his heart and give understanding. And flood his spirit with life. I bless you, young man, in Jesus' name. And I say, be healed and be made whole. Holy Spirit, come. Okay. Holy Spirit, come. Yes, Lord, more. Go deeper, just a little deeper. Thank you. Just let him see and let him know. God, I ask you that if I never see him again, let him never be the same. need prayer for healing, lift your hand. Healing in this house right now in Jesus' name. Pray, church, believe it. Every sickness, leave the bodies. Every pain, go. Degeneration, leave. Organs, work. Diabetes, flee. Every infirmity, go. 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 Where's Miss Tracy? Is she still in the room? Where's Miss Tracy? Did she slip out? came on my heart. Nope, take my hand. You're her one flesh. Tracy, be healed. Back and vertebrae be completely whole. Discs, be restored. Tracy, you woman of God, to be healed right now. Back, be whole. Be whole. Be whole. <laughs> no pain, no more inflammation, no more duress in Jesus' name. Yes, you just God reminded me. Of be healed, church. Be healed, church. Be free. In Jesus' name, be healed. In Jesus' name, be healed. In Jesus' name, be healed. Yeah. In Jesus' name, be healed. Be healed. What a good heart she got, kiddo. Touch her, Jesus. Not just because she has a good heart, because you love her. It's not a works thing. I'm just proud of your heart. You have a good heart. Jesus heals you because he loves you, not because you deserve it. Yeah, yeah. Jesus loves you so much. Oh my goodness, I feel that for you. You have a really good heart inside. You think sometimes you're moody. I know you think that. You think, I got some work to do on that moody. And sometimes you give yourself permission to be moody. But you know what it ain't about you being moody? God's refining some things. He's putting some right definition to some things. And here's what I hear. You have a really good heart. You might feel like you're moody, but that good heart is going to rise up and put definition to your moods. All right? And that man that's laying on you there, he's going to teach you how to really love him. You just yield to him and yield to him like you would to the Lord. I'm serious. I'm telling you, I know when I see things. He's bringing real harmony to your relationship. He's bringing, that doesn't mean there's great trouble. I'm not talking saying there was. He's just going to make you closer than you ever thought you could be. He's going to make what I'm looking at right. Yeah, I'm just telling you. 
I know when I see stuff and it's way too late. The train's rolling. It's good. Oh, it's a good thing. And watch this, honey. If he's going to cause you to yield and adapt as you would to the Lord, he's probably going to make him look more like the Lord. You think? Now, it's not something negotiable. It's not like, well, if. Nope, he's just going to cause you to see his value. He's going to cause you to love like God loves. And even in a moment of weakness, he's going to teach you how to be strong and how to impart strength to your husband. And your husband's going to actually value you more than he's ever valued you before. He's actually going to learn to love the Christ in you like he's never been able to. It's just like beyond is what I'm saying. I see something great in your relationship, man. I bless you too. Yep. God's redirecting something. He's realigning. No, it's okay. He's redirecting your heart, sweetheart. He's realigning something. Because it's just too easy to go in the direction that so many of us go in our minds and hearts. And he's saying, you just hang in there and let me be God. I'll show you the truth. You know what he's doing as you wipe your eyes? He's taking off the way you were looking. And he's putting a new vision in you. Because the only reason you felt that way is because you were looking through clouds, honey. And you just can't see clear when you're looking through clouds. So see clear and be one with this man. Man, that is dead on in time. I'm telling you. I know he's my papa. I'm not an arrogant man. I just know God at the level he's revealed himself going to be all right. You're going to stop crying those tears. You're going to start crying different tears. You hear me? I'm serious. Don't you fear yourself to sleep. You rejoice yourself to sleep. I told you yesterday, you're not a woman with a problem. You're a woman with a covenant. Come on, girl. I'm telling you, I know that mercury thing's important to you, and I'm not, I'm not taking it lightly, but way more than that mercury thing, God's showing you who he is in you and who you are in him is way more. Because he wipes that mercury out and you don't get this revelation, it's just going to be something else trying to take a cheap shot at you. And you are not a pin cushion. You are not a dark boy. You are a woman of God. Yeah. And I'm telling you, you're done crying those same tears. Jesus' name, behold. Yeah, isn't it fun? Isn't it fun being a Christian? Isn't it fun? You guys all right? God, I worship you. God, I thank you. Amen. I'm just scanning, that's all. I just don't want to be too rushed. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> You know what this looks like? This looks like a family portrait. And you know what's amazing and true? It's not spiritual hype. It just wouldn't be the same if your face wasn't on it. God paid the price for every one of your faces to be on the family portrait. This is a real good picture, guys. Watch. There's a lot of faces that need to squeeze between yours. And they're going to do that because we look like him. 
not because we evangelize. Family portrait that wants to grow. We're not going to let life move us. That's why I called you up here. Are you in with me? We ain't going to let life move us. There's a grace. I'm telling you, there's an impartation here today. We're going to pray. I don't do this stuff rarely. I'm a relationship guy. I'm a you-go-get-something-from-God guy. I'm not a line everybody up and lay my hands on you. There's a place for it at times. But God just showed me everybody crowded up here that wanted to be. We prayed for your back. You came on my heart. I grabbed your one flesh covenant partner's hand. It was like holding yours. See, where is David? Because watch it. Stand up here. Because out of the fullness of God in man, he reaches in and finds the woman. If there's a woman on the scene in God's sight, it should be because of the fullness of God in the man, not because there's a need in the man or the woman. The woman wasn't even on the scene until God saw himself in the man and said, man, ain't nobody like this guy. He looks just like me. Ain't nobody comparable. Now watch what he did. He reached into David and found Tracy and took what was one and made it two so two could enjoy yielding and becoming one. Amen. Amen. I'm going to pray over you guys. If you want to, stretch your hands to heaven. This is sober. This is serious. This isn't charismatic church stuff. This is your heart before God in the, in the midst of a word that was very sober and calculated and timely. Amen. Father, I lift my hands to you today. I believe this is the heart of the people. God, I lift my hands to you today because I'm in this thing for keeps. I'm in this thing for keeps, not ups and downs. I'm in this thing for the finish line. And Father, I'm thanking you for empowering every person with their hands raised high, empowering them to the finish line. I thank you, God, the cheap deceptions, the lack of understandings are being wiped away. I thank you, God, there's no reason to sit down, cry, be disappointed or despaired. You're putting a supernatural strength in the heart of your people. And God, I'm not, thank, I'm, I'm not thanking you that we know everything's coming at us and going to go wrong. We aren't believing that everything's going to go wrong. But in the face of trials, we believe our faith will not fail. We believe our perspective will stand strong. And we believe you will father us through every moment. And we will get a greater and greater revelation of you and be untouchable in the face of life. Father, I bless this church with the revelation that poured forth today, with a grace, God, that would empower them to fulfill everything imparted. And I thank you that not one person with their hands raised would grow weary in well-doing. And I thank you there's not one casualty in this little half circle. I thank you there's not one disaster. I thank you that every face on this portrait will be there in that day with joy and with a legacy. I declare it over this redemption house and I say, God, if this is redemption house, then let your redemption be in the way they see God in life, the way they view, the way they're motivated, the why behind their life. Let it be clear like never before and let them never again be discouraged and draw back, but let them believe and move forward to the saving of the If you enjoyed this message, please visit danmullerarchive.com to find over 2,500 more messages from Dan, all organized by category, playlist, and search. Enjoy.